the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me again is editor Trev Johan after his travels. Hello, how are you going? First of all, ladies and gentlemen, apology for last week. A little bit of a technical hitch which involved (laughs) Trevor being in Europe still and uh, our online editor Kevin locking himself in his flat and unable to find his keys which he then told me 10 minutes before we were due to go on air, which meant that the choices were postpone the podcast or you guys listen to me for an hour on my own, which I, even my mother wouldn't put up with that. And she has just arrived. Yeah, so, good to see um, the levels of professionalism staying exactly, as high so, as Sorry about the uh, postponement. Let's call it a waterlogged pitch. Um, but we are back, loud and proud this week. Uh, Trev? Yep. Quick update on your travels, mate. How oh, of it? course. Yeah, yeah took yeah. us through it. Trip, um trip to Madrid, a few days in Madrid to, to meet Ronaldo, have, have a training session with him at the, the Real Madrid training complex, which, as you might imagine, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, they have everyone from the age of seven up, and the way that they've sort of designed it is really clever. Like the, It's sort of a long, winding building, you know, the changing rooms, there's like, you know, loads of pitches either side, but it's a long, winding building that kind of goes up in a hill, and the seven-year-olds have the first room. And each year, they go up the hill until you get to the top, which is obviously the biggest building. They get slightly more room as they get. They're actually all the same size. Because I thought the same size. They're making a swan. But every changing room is the same size. But they go, you know, stay with Real Madrid. It's got this vision of Ronaldo getting changed with a really tiny locker (laughs) that fits a (laughs) seven-year-old. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and the seven-year-olds that are training there, you know, when Ronaldo was sort of watching us do our training drills, they were all sort of lined up. I mean, what better motivation to succeed and stay at a club than going, oh, you know, I can get to the top of the hill sort of thing. So the training complex was good. The training was good. So on um, that, come on, how did you do on the skills test? We came second. How did you do on the skills Probably test? the best. I mean, it... it, it Probably the best. Yeah. You said modestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, drills for players. Do you know what I mean? It was people that had some, you know, various competition winners and stuff like that, and half male and half female. But Germans won though. Of course they did. But wait, so South Africa, Australia came a came a pretty respectable second. But yeah, I mean, the, the drills are pretty, you know, simple, like you know, passing it a couple of yards and stuff like that. So just about the right level. For yeah, me. yeah, um, But yeah, yeah, that was great. And then the uh, the game, the Bilbao game, Ronaldo hat trick, drinks in the Real Madrid trophy room, tour of the Bernabeu. Yeah, pretty. So I guess is slightly bigger than West Ham's. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, pretty good, apart from the Intertoto Cubs, the only thing. Um, so it was great, absolutely great. So f- thanks to the guys at Castrol for arranging that. It was a phenomenal trip, and in the upcoming issue, there'll be a, a feature as well. Fantastic. Well, back to the earth with a bump then yes. last weekend for the A-League. Uh, kicked off with Adelaide, uh, getting back to winning ways, beating the Gold Coast. Um, Paul Reid opened the scoring after 10 minutes. Bass van den Brink equalised with a cracker from... Uh, about 30 yards, and then uh, Travis Dog got the winner. Good crowd there, 12,000, and, and a big win for Adelaide, this. Yeah, a very interesting game, wasn't it? There was a, a couple of top-of-the-table clashes, wasn't there, this round, and um, it's going to be interesting to see if Gold Coast continue that unbeaten run. I fancy them to go there and, and grind out a point, to be fair. Um, Van der Brink, I'm not sure how many goals like that he's going to score in his career. Centre-backs don't tend to get many of those. Um, but yeah, he's playing him in midfield, hasn't he? Yeah, so yeah. Miron likes to do the Tinker Man likes to, <laughs> you know, did it with Thwaite, makes a central midfielder out of a centre back, and uh, 
certainly, you, having seen him play centre back, you wouldn't have thought he was capable of striking a ball like that. You wouldn't want him further forward, would you? But um, yeah, Adelaide surge on, didn't they? More, you know, different players grabbing goals for him again. And do you think that sort of Adelaide, you got the feeling that when Leckie got injured, Adelaide had a little bit of a stutter in that they they probably needed to change the way that they'd been playing, like because he was always that outlet and that quick mm. break and. And I suppose Dodd coming back has come back at the right time because he's got that pace. But do you sort of get a feeling that, that Adelaide have got over that hiccup now, the loss to Melbourne, and are sort of back in their stride and we'll see them kick on? Yeah, because it was a real, I mean, did they lose three and five and three yeah. and four, you know, something like that. So it was a pretty serious um, mini meltdown. But yeah, they're, they're back on track. And that's a, that's a decent result, isn't it, against Gold Coast? They're, they're not easy to beat. Okay, uh Victory went over the ditch to play a Phoenix. Uh, entertaining game, 2-2. Archie Thompson back on the score sheet. Yeah. Uh, great to see Archie back amongst the goals. He looked delighted, didn't he, after Equal- he scored? Yeah, equalised Tim Brand's opener. And then Robbie Cruz got put Melbourne 2-1 up for a late Paul Eiffel goal, levelled things up. I was very happy with that because I, uh, I backed the draw. I backed uh, Eiffel to score at any point and Archie Thompson to score at any point. So that was a nice little earner for me, that. Perfect, yeah. Um, good point for Melbourne, or would you say that given Phoenix's recent form, they would have preferred, yeah, would have fancied themselves going and taking all three points there? Well, yeah, I mean, it's still a tough place to go, isn't it, despite a couple of recent losses. Um, but Melbourne are getting to the point where they kind of start having to win the games where perhaps previously you'd take a point from um, because they're going pretty ordinarily. Um, so I think they'll be disappointed. I mean, you're always disappointed when you're six minutes from home and you end up just taking a point from a morning position. But you know, positives there again: Archie back scoring. You know, the fitter he gets closer into the finals. Um, I thought was was always the danger man. That wasn't you. You felt that he was going to get on the score sheet at some point. Okay. Um, Saturday night saw Melbourne Heart entertain Sydney FC. That was Crack about up. the only entertaining that went on. Um, <laughs> as I tweeted at the time, I remember that Melbourne and Sydney were doing their best not to attract viewers away from the Beckham game yeah. on the other side. Were you flicking between the I two? Was between I, the two. I, I, I was as well, and it didn't and take I ended long up to... watching the exhibition match more than the, more than the, uh, this game. But yeah, not a lot to say. I is get, yeah, there's not a lot to say, but I guess you'd probably say that was a, a moral victory for Sydney going down there, getting a point, avoid you know trying to put. And we we'll talk about last night's game, but Sydney are sort of trying to get out of that losing habit they seem to yeah. sort of you know and obviously they've had a couple of wins recently and I, I guess they can aim to win their home games and not get beat away from home that'll yeah. put them back in the mixer uh, probably the shock of the round was the Mariners uh, getting thumped at home by Brisbane Raw um, and again I did have four to six goals in this I wish I'd gone wish I'd gone six and above but um but yeah, uh, it, it started badly for the Mariners. Uh, Giancarlo Solazano is in a rich vein of form at the moment. Uh, got two in, the, now, isn't he? two in the first 10 minutes. Uh, Mitch Nichols made it 3-0 before half-time. Adam Kwasnick got one back. But then uh, two goals in the last few minutes really sort of put the gloss on, the, on what you'd say is another... Fantastic performance by Brisbane. Yeah, just their, their passing and their movement, and you know the possession and application just overwhelmed a, a good Mariners side. Um, you never saw that result coming. I actually thought that the Mariners would grind something out of that game, but they just were completely overwhelmed. And and Arnie said as much after, didn't he? He described them as red hot. And well, the one thing we've always said about the Mariners is they're, they're tough to beat. They don't give away many goals. You yeah, know? and um, they're given they've only given away fourteen goals in fifteen games before that, and they're now on to nineteen in six. So, yeah. Uh, so that that gives you a, a, a feel for the magnitude of what Brisbane did there, and um, so yeah, so they're certainly looking like the um, the team to beat now. Uh, North Queensland 
Got a late equaliser against Perth. Mark Hughes equalising Robbie Fowler's header. <laughs> Mark Hughes and Robbie Fowler. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, what do we make of this one? Perth, I suppose, again, you know, needed to arrest a little bit of a slump again and, and get back amongst the points and not losing. Mm. Um, but again, I, I guess you'd probably say that, that these are the sort of games that if you're going to turn your season around and try and get into that top six, you need to go away to North Queensland and win. Yeah, but yeah, probably it's two struggling sides, wasn't it, really? And a point didn't do either of them any favours whatsoever. OK, last night, um, in amongst all the World Cup hype building to a frenzy, which we'll talk about in, in part two, uh, there were two games last night. Well, I must admit, I was surprised at the weather in Sydney that, that this one went ahead, but it, it did, and it's a credit to the grounds, and that it didn't actually look anywhere near as bad as the weather had been here. It'd been raining all day, hadn't it? it Literally all day, yeah. yeah. My, my garage was flooded. Um, so... Sydney SC ran out winners in, in controversial fashion. Uh, Brendan Gann opened, opened the scoring, no problems with that, with a, a neatly taken far post header. Although, he looked very surprised when he scored it. I actually think he had his eyes shut. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those, like, just eyes shut, just head it, and then he, and then he, he waited turned, a little bit, waited, didn't he? saw it, got in, and wheeled away. Yeah. Uh, Mark Bridge, back in the goals, a suspicion of offside for that one, but yeah. then you'd, you'd say... No that, suspicion. No suspicion of a handball by... Uh, Seb Ryle in the lead up to the Alex Brosk uh, clincher really on 76 and Dylan McAllister got consolation back. But Bridge had been absolutely terrible up until that point as well. He'd had a shocking first half and then, you know, scored a goal and set up the decisive one. Yeah, so I mean, do we think, that, I mean, can there be any retrospective action taken by the match review panel? Or is this for just the handball? For the handball? Nah, cause, I mean... It's not like a dive, is it? You know, nah, but, nah. but arguably... If if it's ruled that it was 100% deliberate and a referee didn't spot it, can they do him for cheating? But, I mean, did he... D- how deliberate do we think it was? Or oh, did did the arm kind of swing round and, and knock it on? I think they would probably just try and ignore it. <laughs> I'd imagine they've probably got bigger things on their mind at the moment. Ben, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something big's happened. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Terry Antonis, can we talk about him briefly? Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, you know, it looks good. Yeah. You know, I, I hate hyping up lads especially ones that are that young but he, he didn't it's not just he looked like he had a oh, great application and good running he looked like he had phenomenal technical ability he's so confident i tell you what, he wanted that ball every single time he'd get in his position call for and it and Petratus as well I've caught another look of him yeah. whenever he's come on but I, I think you know given the season that Sydney's had I'm surprised he hasn't started a couple of games by now yeah, yeah. Well, Charlie has had a very ordinary season you know, no Carl, so you haven't had a creator all season. Flynn's anyway. been out for large parts. Carl's missed all but what four or five games. And you must look, you know, if you're Terry Antonis, you've just come back from being in a successful under 17 side or under 19 side, sorry. Um, and then you see Mustafa Amini yeah. regularly starting in the hole for for the Mariners. You must be thinking, surely I'm worth a run. Yeah. You know? well, th- so hopefully, I can um, see him sticking there now. I mean, it happens with one of the kids. It happens with Mustafa. Happened at West Ham with Joe Cole. He's had this one kid. He's too young to play. Played him in one game and then went right. Okay, yeah, we have to play yeah. him. And he, ne- he never dropped out of the team again. And yeah. I, I can see an, a similar thing happening with Antonis. But because- I, I guess the, I guess the danger is now is that. Sydney have sort of gone from having nothing to lose to sort of having a finals place to lose now. So yeah. is the temptation, well, OK, look, you know, it's the experienced guys that are going to keep us in there. But I say give them a go. Yeah. If you want to, you know, the other thing is, bigger picture, is if we want to keep our 
18, 19 year old players here, they've got to think they're going to get a game. Yeah. Because otherwise, they might as well go and sit on the bench and in a better league, yeah. you know, rather than sit on the bench in the A-League. So um, let's hope that Levitska is watching and, um, and he, he gets a run. Uh, great result for North Queensland. Uh, 2-1 winners against Gold Coast. Robson opened the scoring and he, he sort of feared the worst. But then David Williams with a cracker, like, I don't know whether... They were discussing it on the comment whether the keeper left it or whether he realised he couldn't get it. But it sort of looked he, like he pulled his hand away. And I think he thought it was going over. Must admit, I've had a couple of them in my time. In the over 35s, a few where it's like, oh, that's over. Oh, nice, just hit the bar, got it. <laughs> and then a special from Ulfuk Tale uh, won it, but we have to mention the crowd. Well, we have to mention both crowds. 4,000 at Sydney. You could probably argue the weather midweek, certainly, but 4,000 is poor. Yeah. Uh, and 1,700 at the Gold Coast, you know. So on a day that was very, very big day for Australian football later that evening, that wasn't the sort of best advert for, for a nation hungry for a World Cup. No. Um, but anyway, let's have a quick look at the table before we break. Uh, have I got this here? The updated one. Have well, I got the updated one? Oh, no. It's falling apart the seats. Here you go. Here we go. So, Brisbane atop, played 19, 40 points. Adelaide United, two games in hand on 34. So, still tight. If Adelaide win those two games in hand, they'll be level. Uh, at the bottom, North Queensland Fury on 15 points. However, they have three games in hand on Perth Glory, who have 16 points. So, Perth are still in a pretty perilous position. Um, Sydney FC have crept up to eighth uh, and are a point behind Wellington Phoenix. Um, however, they play the game less. They're they're a point behind Melbourne in sixth, and that's got to be the benchmark. You know, for Sydney FC now, it really is about just securing finals football. Um, Jets are still in nine for fifteenth. Leading scorers: Robbie Fowler, Paul Eiffel, John Carlos Solazano, <laughs> uh, all on seven goals. Uh, that's it for part one. Uh, we'll be back in part two to talk animated kangaroos, El McPherson. And World Cup bids. So join us after the break. The January edition of 442 is now available. Here's Andy and Trev with a look at what's inside. Trev, we have the complete guide to the Asian Cup. Every team profile, everything you need to know about Australia's quest for glory. Real chance of winning silverware. Expert predictions. That's not us, is it? Expert? (laughs) No, no. I've got some some great freelancers. Fantastic. Pele at 70, the world's best player couldn't get any more in depth two hours we had with him no, he talks us through every moment of his incredible career so even if you are a Pelé nut there's everything in here for you if you've often wanted to know more about him you know you know he's the greatest player ever but you don't know every detail of his career then get it as well if that's not enough Craig Moore answers all of your questions that we put to him we've got the new performance section guaranteed to make you a better player a trip around the world in planet football profile of the world's worst football team and it's on sale now all good news agents or as of now on sale on iTunes for the iPad so the new issue of 442 if it's in the game we've got it covered the latest on the world game this is 442 Insider hello welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast as you will be listening to this it will be hopefully the afternoon late afternoon of Thursday the 2nd of December and we will be around 8 or 9 hours away from you've got to say Trev the biggest 
decision for Australian football for a long, long time, if ever. Yeah. When I woke up this morning, that's the most nervous I've felt so far. Because I've gone through, it's a bit of a roller coaster, and you have those days you think, yeah, I thought we might do this. And other days, I'll oh, forget it, it's not even worth watching. But I think everyone's you get closer. Like that. I've been following all of the, there's a few sites that claim to be, you know, like World Football Inside, yeah, uh, yeah. Inside World Football, and all of those. And, and I don't think they know either. No. I think they, you know, it's like, you know, Qatar were odds on favourites, then the USA were favourites, Australia were favourites. And I think what this shows is that, you know what? No one knows. There's yeah. 22 blokes that are going to retire tonight and go into a room. And, yeah, I, I, I was listening to someone on the radio, and I think and I, and it was the funniest thing. He said, the only thing you can believe is if one of the executive committee has told you to, the, to your face that they're not going to vote for you. That's the only thing <laughs> yeah. that you can believe, because people will tell you they'll vote for you and they're not. And because it's a secret ballot, no one will ever know. Yeah. You know no one ever knows who ended up voting for who. So... Um, let's look at some of the, the stories that have been coming out the last couple of days. Now, obviously, the, the, the big story from an Australian perspective and probably the biggest negative for us was the fact that um, the Oceania represent, the suspended Oceania chief, Reynold Tamari, uh, has refused to uh, step aside. And, and let, let's be fair about this, Trev. That is right. You know, yeah. He's been accused well, of something. His name he's been, been accused you know. of something that that he and suspended for something that he believes is innocent, and he has the right to to protest that. And 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 I guess he felt, and it would have meant him accepting guilt to step aside to be replaced. And so I don't think we can you know we can be too disparaging about him. Yeah. However, I do think that FIFA, you know, it, it is bad that that there will be a confederation that doesn't vote on the World Cup. Yeah, you know, and and that is that's FIFA's decision to make, not this guy's. You know, and, and I guess they probably should have said, right, you suspend, but someone from the off confederation does need to have a vote. Yeah, but obviously it's a blow for Australia because it was the one vote that we that we could have counted on. Um, and I think the key thing is going to be when votes are few and far between for all of the nations in the first few rounds. It's just surviving those first few rounds to then get second and third preferences. So it is a blow, there's no doubt about that, but you know, let's just push on ahead. Uh, there was a McKinsey report that came out that showed Australia was the least, like to make the least money um, from the World Cup. And we knew that, didn't we? It was just disappointing to actually know that there was a... It wasn't supposed yeah. to come out, though, I believe. Is it, isn't it true that that was supposed to be an internal report that's been linked? Really? I think it so, yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff that they look at that we have no idea that they're looking at it. Um, do you remember how well we did on the technical report and now no one's even mentioning that anymore like it doesn't matter does it the guitar sounded like a disaster from a technical point of yeah. view and now you know, no one's talking about that anymore um, so it just depends what what I find sort of strange about it even though it's decided by committee it's ultimately that individual that goes in and does the vote and I know he talks to his confederation about you know what he thinks is the best option but it's still just that guy doing it isn't it so yeah, you just don't know what they're thinking. A lot of people don't know, have any idea what the African nations are going for. They're one of the biggest mysteries, aren't they? Because yeah. they haven't come out and said anything. So, mm. yeah, and we do, we do, we've done a fair bit in Africa. Can we forget the the Frank Lowy jig yeah. with uh, Desmond Tutu <laughs> in the lead up to the World Cup? I could get us over the line. Let's hope that. Um, all right, let's talk about our pitch. The the, yep. the videos and and I mean, how how did you see it? How would you rate it? Well, first, from a personal point of view, yeah, you know, do I like or not like? 
I'm not the biggest fan of it. I found it a bit cheesy and a bit cliched and stuff. Yep. However, if that's the sort of thing that it should have been, and that's, you know, i have to be honest, I haven't seen much of the rest of them, so I don't know how it stacks up with what they've done. So if that's, you know, what people are actually looking for, then it might be good, but it just felt like a tourism thing, don't you think? Like it didn't, you know, perhaps we're playing to our strengths because it's not as big a footballing nation, but it is an incredible nation, like yeah. looking nation and a great place to come. So then we just tried to flog the fact of pick it in Australia, it's really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, surprise, surprise, the kangaroos in it, but that is what Australia is known for around the world, and, and to, to a degree as well. Yeah, let's be honest, is... You, 22 blokes have got to look at a place and think, do you know what? I won't mind eight or ten visits there in the next 12 years for inspections and restaurants yeah. going all right, there are worse places to go. And, you know, so yeah, we'll go to Sydney and have a look at that. We'll go to Melbourne. Um, I, thought there were t- I thought there were two things that, that were lacking, and this is you know, actually one thing that was lacking, one thing that I, I didn't think worked. Um, the one thing that I thought was lacking was, you know, these guys have all got big egos. No one bigger than Blatter. And I thought that they could have played more on the fact that during Blatter's tenure, this would have meant that the World Cup had been to every inhabited continent in the world. You know, Asia, America, South America, Europe, Australia, Africa. Yeah. You know, that would complete the FIFA cycle. And Mm. I think that would have been a real powerful thing for them because, you know, Blatter wants his Nobel Peace Prize, whatever. Um, And they're they're a bunch of ego-driven blokes. And it would have been like, you know, guys, complete the circle. This is it, you know, and and actually named it and gone, right, under your tenure, we've we've taken the World Cup here, there. And I thought that would have been a really strong point to make. Elm at first, and I didn't think worked. No. I just thought it was totally gratuitous. Um like the whole Frank's a hero yeah you know, exactly like, hugging just, a midget old you know, man I, I was sat there thinking I'd rather have seen Kate Gill up there holding her AFC best female player in Asia trophy talking about what the World Cup would have meant as a female footballer yeah. coming to Australia but what if we'd had Prince William Morgan Freeman and then Kate Gill then everyone would be going oh why didn't we get one of our no, I'm not saying that Elmer Thurston wasn't there schmoozing right. and, and being you know there as a fight I just hmm. thought that there was a you know, because ultimately as well, it, you know, it is a football tournament. It doesn't know? feel like it from those no, presentations. No, I know. <laughs> but truth to form, the Americans ran 10 minutes over. We're given half an hour and took oh, 40. Shut up, an American. Well done. <laughs> Which again, you know, hopefully that might play into, uh, into our hands. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a, that is a no-no for me. Yeah. If you're given some, something this critical and you're given 30 minutes, to take 39 and a half takes a lot of arrogance, which... Smooth Bill probably <laughs> just props up the stereotypes. So, um, so look, at, at the end of the day, 2 a.m. this morning, we'll all, tomorrow morning, sorry, we'll all know. Trev, oh, heart on, the, on the spot, I'm going to nick something from the Times podcast, which is both years, you got to say who should get it oh, yeah. and who, who you think will get it. Yeah, I can, I've already thought of that, right. actually. So 2018, who should get it? England. Who will get it? Russia. Right, 2022, who should get it? Come on, Australia. And who will get it? USA. <laughs> oh, it's all good, I hate saying that. Oh. <laughs> and, your answer uh, to those questions? I'm going to go, 2018 should be England. Yep. And I think will be England. And I think oh. it will have been clinched in the last two days. 
Mm. Beckham's press conference yesterday was apparently masterful. I was following it on Twitter, and everyone from ev- all the journalists, even the most cynical British hacks, Which were raving about him. Yeah, just said he handled everything brilliantly. Just like was just the most accomplished performance. And he has the beauty about Beckham is he has the star factor that en- that no one else can bring. And he's a footballer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. He's El McPherson, Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt yep. rolled into a great footballer. Shawshank as well. Redemption, not a bad <laughs> football. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I think, yeah, and Prince William and you know, I I think that I think they will have done enough in the last two days. I think that they've done it. Yeah, and and again, there is a good case to say that, you know, the panorama thing um might actually be a deciding factor for some of the the, the, the floating voters to say, well, let's give it to them because if we don't, are we potentially proving their point? Yeah, exactly. By taking it away from them. Well, um, on the UK bit, I saw that Cameron, the PM, was there and he had to fly back for Prime Minister's questions and he flew back again yeah. to go out to Zurich. And, and that's So I think, you know, and you look at Putin didn't go. He gave yeah. his reasons that he didn't want to put any pressure under and. Blah, no, blah, blah. no Gillard, though? Yeah. You know. I was thinking Liverpool in the 70s, you know, bring on the ginger super sub. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, 2022. Okay, if if your head was talking, should get it, probably USA. Why? Why? Just because it's, you know, I, I just look at it and think the revenue that it would make, you know, the viewing figures it would make, the sort of place it is to go, the stadiums are built and phenomenal. Haven't we been there very recently, though? But in 2022, it's another 12 years, so it'll be... Uh, I don't know, I just think the way FIFA look at it, you know, I just think that, that it's... You know, you look at the technical report, you look at the revenue reports, it's the obvious choice. Yeah, but th- say England don't get 18 and USA get 22. USA would have held two World Cups in relatively quick succession over England... The nation that created the game and has the biggest league in the world. Who everyone hates. Who everyone hates. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to go, we'll get it, Australia. Someone's got to be... Well, that's going to be some morning for us, England, Australia. I'm I'm just going to put my faith in Frank Lowy's abilities behind the scenes. And there was that moment where he was talking very, and he went off script. Yeah. You see that where he was reading from his notes and then he stopped, deliberately stopped yeah. and went off script and looked at the executive committee and, and he looked and he looked at him and you knew he was looking him in the eye and said, I've met every one of you over this over the last three years and I just think, you know, yeah. that's gonna count for something. You know, they've all been on his yacht, they've all <laughs> yeah. But also, the simple fact of that is, is that you know, let's hope that the faith and the trust and the money that we've invested in Hargitay uh, and the other consultants has comes home to roost. You know, no. I, I did have the ultimate fear that Panorama was going to rehash some archetype stories, uh, but I didn't. Um, so you've got to hope. And again, listening to another podcast, an English podcast, um, they were talking about the English bid, and they said that the, the strategy of the English bid was written by Hargitay. Yeah. Uh, and they said the biggest single mistake that England had made in this whole process was getting rid of him. Mm. Um, yeah, and so that loss was also yeah because he was Blatter's ex right hand man. You know he knows these guys. He knows the intricate workings of the FIFA executive committee. So my one hope is that that coupled with uh, Frank Lowy's business negotiation, look you in the eye, um, 
I don't know. I've just you got a good feeling. Never well, say never, mate. The gonna, t-shirt's out tonight. I'm going. We're going to be out sleeping. My never say never t-shirt from yep. 2005. The alarm's set for 1:55 a.m. Uh, who knows? Oh Next God. week could be a very very different podcast. All right, look. Before we break, just one quick word on a on a related subject: the Women's World Cup. Uh, the draw obviously was this week. Um, Matildas have landed a tricky draw, yes, but when you actually look at the other groups, when you've got a World Cup with 16 teams in it, there's no easy groups. No. Um, so they've been drawn against Brazil, um, Norway and Equatorial Guinea. Good set of lads. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd say, obviously, Brazil's going to be tricky. Um, Norway yeah. have won it before. Yeah. Tough. Um, but you, you'd, probably look at, you'd probably look at Equatorial Guinea being the game that they've got to win. And then hopefully get a point against Norway maybe and go through with four points in second. Yeah, that's the Australian way, isn't it? The old four points. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get to four and scrape through? You know, and, and Tom Samani said, uh, classic Tom, it's like, I think we've got a tough group, but actually looking at it, group A, C and D are all tough groups. So yeah. I don't think there was no easy draw. It was who we were going to get. We got Brazil. Gonna gonna win the World Cup, you might as well beat the best, eh? Yeah, you might as well exactly. Beat in the group yeah. stages. Yeah, and we avoided USA, which is a team that that dominates and has traditionally dominated us, and so, but, you know, Brazil aren't easy. But uh, you haven't given up hope. No. Thompson, it's a good set of players. Already won a tournament. Good coach. Yeah, I think we can. I think we make it out of that group. All right, excellent. All right, well that's it for part two. We'll be back in part three to discuss some of the key points that came out of a meeting with the PFA uh, on Tuesday. Uh, which Trev and uh, Aidan attended. So we're going to chat through some of the bigger issues that came out of that after the break. Visit Football Emporium on www.footballemporium.biz to see the largest selection of football merchandise and memorabilia in Australia. A real football shopping experience. Or why not pop in and visit them directly at 139 Victoria Road, Dremoyne. Or simply call them on 1300-4-Goals to find out what's new in the football world. Back to 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the 442 Insider podcast. Uh, section 3, our discussion segment. Mm. We're going to uh, chat, Trev, I wasn't there, but yep. you and Aidan were. It was a meeting called by the PFA, um, by Brendan Schwab, with some of the key media representatives to discuss... Uh, some of the issues from the PFA's perspective around the, and I guess this is all tied into the, the, review. the review that's yeah. going on that we've talked about before. It was kind of there, the, I think the PFA, yeah, they wanted their opportunity to speak to the same media guys that were at that FFA briefing to say, yeah. well, this is what we think of, yeah. of what's going on. Just, just, you know, before we kick off, I have to say that I'm, I'm quite impressed with the guys at the PFA. Uh, you know, they, they seem to, re, you know, really, really know their stuff um, and they seem to, Genuinely care about the overall success, you know, of the game because you know. Well, they have to because well, they've got they've got more of a vested interest than anyone else because if there's no professional, you know, quality of professional game here, then they don't have a membership. No, but but then Brennan said our job would just be facilitating them going overseas. Yeah. You know, his role would change, but you know, I think the perception sometimes of um, unions like this is that basically you know, they meet once a month and just say give our players more money but they are concerned with the issues that are facing the A-League and not just their own own concerns but yeah I mean several things came up got a lot of research the PFA they've done a lot into you know fans and um, how the A-League's going and what can be done to to improve the A-League so we've pulled out five points let's have a look at some the um 
And this this was a figure that was put up um, in the FFA briefing. Yeah. Was around the the, the salaries of, of the A League clubs, how much they're spending on player salaries, yeah. and the fact that it was around half of the clubs. Outgoings now. On one hand, you might see that well, that's quite high. But, yeah. but then I guess the PFA's point is that well, that it's quite high because the clubs are underperforming in terms of being revenue generating. Yeah. And so if you know if uh, if a club only turns over a million dollars, then it's not their fault that, that wages are going to be more than that. You know. And so so was that the sort of take on it? Did they? Um, I think did it, they sort of say that you know that they they don't. Did they look into reasons why they all areas where they thought the clubs could be generating more income? Um, I think the first thing the wage thing, FFA is saying about fifty percent. I think the PFA feel it's probably closer to about thirty eight percent. Right. Um, so it's not quite as high, but you know they were saying we're still happy with the figure of half because um, we don't think that the players as individuals are getting overpaid for the job that they're doing. Yeah. And um, they just think that the clubs are not going out and generating enough money. And some of the statistics they had, the, the most interesting one they had was a rundown of, of numbers of people that say they support this club. I support... So, so I use the example of Sydney FC, right? They've, they have figures saying that there's 618,000 people that when asked, you stop them in the street, they'll go, I support Sydney FC. Or that, that's my club. And they're saying that their conversion ratio into getting them to come and watch the game is the lowest in the league. Sydney's the worst example. It's or less, watch it on TV. Yeah. It's, saying <laughs> it, it's less... Basically, the A-League is converting less than 3% of people that could be interested in football. And they had lots of other stats about, um, you know, Australia-wide statistics on, you know, what's your favourite sport. And football, people that actually say that they are fanatical about football, we're only a few percent behind things like AFL and rugby and what we're positioned, I think, you know, joint fourth behind tennis, actually. I didn't realise that was going to be the case, but joint fourth with rugby league behind tennis, AFL and cricket. So they're saying that the demand, and this is the point they're making about there is money out there. People are interested in football in Australia. It's just that they haven't really sort of, you know, pioneered enough. So do we think, I mean, did they offer any sort of solutions or any, I mean, are they insinuating that this is a marketing issue i.e. the audience is there the FFA is just not marketing the game well enough to them and the clubs yeah. the, the clubs haven't gone out there I mean it's a point that we're going to touch on one of the, the later ones but community seems to be the, the reoccurring um, thing that rather than spending a few million on a kind of a spat gun approach of this TV ad that's going to a load of people that aren't interested in football um, they're saying that the FFA and these clubs have the name, addresses and contact details of people who are interested in football, either by playing it or they've been to a game before, but they're not getting touched on a regular basis. Yeah. And that comes back to player well, wages. You know, on a minor scale, we see it with our website. Yeah. We have 100,000 people coming to our website, 100,000 Australians coming to our website every month. Yep. Um, and what was the total attendance of last weekend's four games? 27,000? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just backs up the figures that they've got. You know, there are people interested in football. Um, We just need to think of ways of, of, you know, getting them to actually participate, you know, financially in terms of merchandise and and coming to games. Okay. Um, Same point with uh, they come out and said that they support the uh, October kickoff, October to March season. Yep. Uh, I think we talked about this from our brief. You know, I, I certainly believe that that is a smart move. I think we've had six years of trying to start our season in competition with the pin- you know, with the climaxes of the a- AFL and NRL and we failed. Yeah, let's be yeah. honest, we failed. Every year 
it just gives the negative mainstream press the headlines they want. Yeah. You know, like we're at the climax of our season. Look at our crowds and look how the A League struggling to get a foothold. Yeah, sure. However, when that when they're out the way, we then see an uplift. The Melbourne Derby is a great example of that, and I, I think that 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 the A League should start the week after the NRL final. Yep. Um, and it's good to see that they support that. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's the most sensible idea. I mean, one of the things that they were saying about this this FFA approach is that when they're doing this review, they're not sitting there going, right, what you know, what can we what can we do to get bigger revenue streams? That review sounds a lot like, what can we do to cut costs? That's yeah. what they're trying to do. So they're either going to try and slash player wages, or they're going to shorten the season. So that basically, the FFA are thinking about going backwards to cut costs. They're not thinking about you know, something inventive to kind of lift things and push things forward, which is a little bit of a worry. To be yep. fair. I know the losses are, bit, are big between the clubs and stuff, but you know, how much more encouraged would we be if we were sitting here talking about new initiatives that would push us on rather than just going, well, let's save money here and there. And, and on the season thing, I completely agree. I think it yep. has to be up to And I, I think, you know, I think, okay, yeah, we look at last night, there were two disappointing midweek crowds last night, but we've also had some encouraging midweek crowds. And I still yep. believe, if marketed correctly... And in the kids' school holidays yep. in December and January and early February, that there's a definite market for the A League to own that midweek slot, you know, Wednesday night football. Hmm. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd, I wouldn't necessarily agree with a shortening of the season, as in number of games. I'd agree with a shortening of the time no. and double up with weekend games when the kids are off school. Yeah. Uh, and possibly be a bit more inventive, you know, with double headers with the two New South Wales teams or the two Melbourne teams playing back to back in school holidays to get the kids down. You know, it's great value for the parents. The kids are occupied for four hours, you know. Mm. So I, I just think, yeah, I, I think we need to be a little bit more creative about it. And, and before we go backwards, just make sure that we've exhausted every opportunity to continue moving forwards. Yep. Um, okay, they also confirmed the average A-League wage is 135 grand a year. Um, they don't see how the wider problems in the A-League would be solved by simply cutting wages. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yep. I, and as I think I've said before, um, you know, as an average wage and the quality we see on the pitch at the moment, I, I don't think there's an issue with players being overpaid. I don't see that as a problem. I mean, slashing player wages is the equivalent of sticking your finger in a in a leak, isn't it? And just standing there, it's not something that's going to work long term. It's going to push players away. It's going to demotivate them no the, the problems in the A-League are bigger than just the players being overpaid the PFA also made the point that um, the A-League is one of only two professional leagues in the world I assume the MLS is the other one where the players agree to a salary cap yeah so you know yeah. they're already committing to, to quite a big deal in, in the global terms of, of football but some of the Asian does some of the Asian leagues have salary caps? I'm not sure. Anyway, they agree to a salary cap, and and that is, you know, work-wise, um, agreeing to be paid a certain amount of money. So they're already making an attempt to be paid less. Yeah, again, we, and they, you know, they touched on their frustration about the, the the huge interest that is there and how they're struggling to convert it. Um, did they offer any ideas as from the, from the players' perspective how? They could convert that. I mean, I know we're going to talk about the, the, the community side of it. Um, they've I'd, got their own program, like the Heroes program, which they've introduced. I think that's is, is that nationwide or is that it's just Melbourne them? at the moment? Yeah, I think it's just yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, um, I, I think they're kind of linked these two points, and it's worth mentioning about the um, a, f- a few stats they provided on the community stuff. Um, is that AFL players 
spend 1,600 hours a year in the community, and so 1,400 hours of that um, is in Melbourne, you know, is, is in Victoria for obvious reasons. Um, they also had stats on... Well, to be fair, if that's the cumulative hours, they've got a lot more teams and a lot more players. They have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they have. But, I mean, it's, it's not that... I mean, what's the A-League figure, though? Yeah, no, true, true. And they said they had research about... They asked, you know, the players this, and they got... 70% of players think it's a good idea for A-League players to sort of do community stuff. And 50% said that they'd be willing to do it themselves. So, you know, PFA was saying don't let the A-League or the clubs turn around and go, oh, the players don't want to do it, because that's simply not true. They are willing to do it. And, you know, what I was thinking about it, the A-League players are good guys. You know, they're a really yeah. good set of guys. And I'd imagine they'd be excellent going. They could be someone like, you know, Archie Thompson, who's got kids, loves kids, Good player, really good guy. How perfect would he be to get in and out in the community and and in those other areas as well? Just you know, selecting it could be shared around, but you'd have people that are better than other people at doing it. Um, and yeah, I think you know they'd be willing to do it. And they, they were making the point about clubs need to feel like the fans own them, like the community owns them. Not a, you know, you don't want to feel like a customer. You want to feel like you own it. And by meeting the players and, and interactive, and they had you know more numbers on on fans saying one of the things they like the most is doing like training camps with players and getting to meet and greet the players. So it's a really simple thing. The only thing I can't think is why hasn't it been done before? I feel like there must be a reason because it's such an obvious thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. That club there must be a reason why well, clubs I mean, haven't I done think it. All the clubs, you know, do have community programs and players are out in the community. And I, I guess it's just. You know, is it is it ever enough? You know, and I suppose mm. that what we could potentially see is as well, as well as just the current players who obviously have commitments on the pitch and travelling. Who you know, so Sydney are playing over in Perth. That's a week out where no Sydney squad player is doing anything in the community. Yeah, maybe you know we need to see ambassadors put in place that have finished playing. Yeah, you know that are ambassadors of each club that are going into the schools, continuing that work. Well, that, that, you know, that's people like in. Steve Corica yeah. and you know Tony Popovich, who is still involved with Sydney FC, um, but but still involved in a, in an official capacity. Um, that could be a way in which they could extend the reach of that. Yeah, so, I mean, it's very common in the Premier League. I know West Ham have got Tony Cotty and Paolo Di Canio, and, and they do kind of community things. Yeah. You know, go out and, uh, and meet people and do functions, and you know, so even though they're a Premier League club. Um, you know they're still going out trying to trying yeah. to get more interested in them. No, it's good. I mean, I'm, and every over the last five years, every dealing I've always had with the PFA, you know, you always get the feeling that that it's always constructive from them. It's, yeah. You know, they're always looking for ways to build the game rather than knock it down or, yeah. or be critical. And and it seems like that this briefing was was just more of the same from that. So that, that, that's good to hear. All right, that's it for part three. We will be back for the final part of this week's podcast to just preview the forthcoming A-League Games, which is round 17. Yeah. We'll be back after the break. The January edition of 442 is now available. Here's Andy and Trev with a look at what's inside. Trev, we have the complete guide to the Asian Cup. Every team profile, everything you need to know about Australia's quest for glory. Real chance of winning silverware. Expert predictions, that's not us, is it? (laughs) No, no, I've got some some great freelancers. Fantastic. Pele, at 70, the world's best player. Couldn't get any more in depth. Two hours we had with him. No, he talks us through every moment of his incredible career. So even 
if you are a Pelé nut, there's everything in here for you. If you've often wanted to know more about him, you know you know he's the greatest player ever, but you don't know every detail of his career, then get it as well. If that's not enough, Craig Moore answers all of your questions that we put to him. We've got the new performance section, guaranteed to make you a better player. A trip around the world in Planet Football, profile of the world's worst football team, and it's on sale now, all good news agents, or... As of now, on sale on iTunes for the iPad. So the new issue of 442, if it's in the game, we've got it covered. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. Uh, Tomorrow night, Friday, it's Thursday today, I'm losing track at the moment. Friday night sees Melbourne Victory host Brisbane Raw in what? Could be the game of the round. Uh, big game for victory. Uh, they need to start winning games like this if they're going to get back up there. Brisbane, obviously, top of the league and flying. Uh, probably won't hold much fear going down there. No, I was watching Brisbane against the Mariners. I was, I was thinking, when it comes to doing these pod predictions, I can't see me not backing not Brisbane. Not backing Brisbane, now. <laughs> You'd have to be mad to back anyone else against them. Even, even them going like away to Adelaide, which is arguably their toughest game they could have. Um, so no, I think Brisbane. Yeah, well, the bookies don't get a lot wrong. Sporting bet um, have got their odds up early for uh, the Melbourne-Brisbane game. They've got Melbourne at $2.80, Brisbane at $2.40, and the draw at $3.30. That, that's an indication of Brisbane's price. Normally the home team, Is regardless. always a slight favourite, yeah. even if it's 50-50, yeah. Uh, Saturday, 4th of December, Sydney FC travel to the Central Coast. Um Normally take a healthy contingent of away fans up there, so again, that'll be an indication this weekend. Um, should be a good crowd there. How do you see this one going? Interesting test for Sydney. After Mariners the, off the back of a thumping. Yeah. Sydney off the back of a win. They're, they've had like a couple of mini revivals now, haven't they, Sydney? Um, and then they've had, a, you know, the last one they had a test and it didn't work out for them. Um, I don't think they'll go to the Mariners and win, though. I don't think they were overly impressive against... Wellington, despite picking up the points, so yeah, I think the the Mariners will bounce back. And what's interesting about the, about the, the the table now, and just having a look at the table on another piece of paper, is you know we were talking about it all being spread out this season, and it's yeah. like if you actually look at it, there's still there's six points between fifth and bottom oh, now. Yeah. So whilst the top two two or three, you know, two really have got away from mm. the pack, and probably one and two, you'd say is pretty much. Not far off settled, you'd imagine. I mean, there's seven points gap now between Adelaide and Gold Coast, so Gold Coast have got a game in hand. Um, there's only there's only two wins between Melbourne Heart. In fact, North Queensland have got two games in hand on Melbourne Heart. Melbourne Heart are in fifth with 21 points, and North Queensland Fury are bottom with 15. Right, yeah. So winning those two games in hand could put Fury into the finals. Yeah. So it, it sort of bunched up again at the bottom, and you know, with those sort of bottom teams picking up a few points. So uh, on to that end, Fury are at home again, uh, back at home on Saturday night after the Sydney game, and they host Newcastle Jets, which you'd probably think Fury would would fancy that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting game, isn't it? Because those two would want to find a way to scrape into the finals. Um, Jets just come off the back of a impressive Galaxy result. Um, Fury, great result over Gold Coast, picked up a draw before that. Um, but I, th- I think they might cancel each other out, actually. I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. Really? Oh, I'm going to tip Fury for that. I think they'll get on a little bit of a mini roll. Uh, Phoenix at home to Adelaide United. That's a very interesting game. Yeah, this, very it? big game, that. Um, and again, you know, big game for Adelaide. Uh, they've got back on to winning ways. Always a tough place to go. Although, you know, they've, they've had a bit of a wobble at home. 
Um, they'll probably feel a bit hard done by after last night. So maybe go back with their, their pride hurt a little bit and feel like they're, uh, you know, they need to dig in deep. Um, how do you see it going? I think that'll be another draw. To you reckon? Score draw, yeah. But yeah. Right, I'm going to tip the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday, Gold Coast United host Melbourne Heart. Now, again, now this is a big game for Gold Coast. Uh, they need to, you know, they're in danger of um, of losing touch with the chance of a top two finish pretty soon. Um, so you think they need to win that game? Yep. Melbourne. Nil nil draw the weekend. Again, they've, they've sort of put together a, you know, a decent run. Um, they've won five, drawn six now. Probably need to convert a few of those draws to wins. Yeah, they're playing, playing very much like a new franchise haven't they, this season. Hart, they're a little bit um, over the place with consistency. I might just say that about a few teams. Um, I think Gold Coast will return to, to winning ways. Um, you know, Really disappointing result most recently. Um, but yeah, I, I think back home they'll, they'll do enough to beat Hart. Okay, weekend off for Perth. Probably come at the right time. <laughs> just the um, one they're thinking. <laughs> and uh, there's a game next Wednesday, which we'll talk about Thursday, which is Melbourne Heart at home to Newcastle Jets. Uh, so again, you know, depending on the results uh, at the weekend, that then heaps the pressure on with a with a second game coming thick and fast. But obviously, we don't know how that's gone yet. Um, Trev, any any other news? Obviously, we've got big news from Four Four Two Towers. Oh. For those of you. Those of you uh, early adopters that have got an iPad, yep. we're now on the iPad. Yeah. And is it hot or what? Oh my god, it's ridiculous. It's so it's hot. Ridiculous. You have to wear oven gloves to it touch does. your iPad with it. Now, the, the best way to summarise it is that it's absolutely everything you get in the magazine, plus a whole load of extra stuff for a cheaper price. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the size of it. That, that's Everything's it, isn't in it? the match. So, in the, the first <laughs> issue, we've got. Three or four video interviews with Pele. Yep. Video interview Craig Moore. A uh, bit of a skill session with Andres Iniesta, World Cup winning goal scorer. <laughs> if only. The greatest ever player, World Cup winning goal scorer, and Craig Moore. Yep. So, slideshows. Slideshows, yeah. Craig Moore takes us through the defining pictures of his career. Um, so, we, out, of, out of 22 editions in the world, 442 is the first, Australia 442 is the first to make the move onto the iPad. And it's all local, we've all done it all here, local. isn't it? It's looks nothing's... fantastic. So, if you have an iPad, get onto iTunes, there'll be some ads across the site, follow the click-through, takes you straight to our page on iTunes, get it on your iPad, be the envy of all your mates, take it to the pub, show it around... Don't let them put your, their beer on your on your iPad because it ruins the screen. And a lot of people must be if you're thinking about Christmas present, what you want or what to get. What, someone. An iPad? Jesus God, I wouldn't mind meeting That's your what I'm mate. Saying, yeah, iPad. Well, we we four for two preloaded on it. Exactly. Gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. I've, I've got a shout out. Go on. For final quick shout out to James Hector. Oh. Friend of a friend, so obviously we're we're pretty close. But yeah, apparently a, a regular pod listener. So excellent. Yeah. Well, there's not many of them. So if any other <laughs> pod listeners out there would like to be thanked personally. It's a new service we can provide. Birthdays, weddings, funerals, family notices. Just drop us a line and we'll uh, we'll be glad to oblige. We'll open a classified section. Um, So look, massive night tonight for Australian football. I'm sure every single person that listens to this podcast will be glued to their TV sets at at 2am this morning, hoping to hear Mr Blatter utter those uh, fateful words. And the host of the 2022 World Cup. It's Australia. Oh, my God. We'll see you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.